Well, we want to welcome you this morning again, and I'm going to have you stand as we go to the Lord in prayer, and then I'll introduce someone that for many of us, we know who she is, but we have many new people in our church, and I just want to explain who she is, all right? So Father, we just want to thank you this morning for your amazing grace and mercy, and as we think of a brand new school year for children, Father, our hearts go out. We pray that this year, that your spirit would be working in every school, every home, every uh, private school, however kids are learning. And I ask, Father, that you would watch over them, protect them. And Lord, I pray that there would be a wind of your spirit blowing in schools this year, a beautiful sense of your divine presence, drawing children to yourself, Lord. I believe that that's something that you desire to do, and we want to come in agreement with you. And then we pray for those that are walking through a time of trial and challenge and difficulty in their life. Lord, we know of some that come to our minds, Lord. I pray for great grace, the grace of God to meet them in that place of trial, that very grace that they need to sustain and encourage them through that experience in their life. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name and God's people said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. So Amy Miller has been a part of our church family for many years, and she came to our church from Saskatchewan as an intern on our staff, and eventually just kept moving along. And eventually we just had her become our youth pastor, and she ended up assuming the young adults and served on our pastoral staff for 10 years. And so the, I said the other day, but she, re, she, she corrected me this morning a couple months ago. Boy, you know, time goes by when you're having fun, right? But I approached Amy about something that was on my heart for the fall, and I knew that she would be ideal to do this ministry where she would, after hearing a message, I know how people are, they get really excited for two weeks, and then they eventually they forget what they heard. So we're going to try to maintain a little momentum today as you hear the beginnings of what I believe is the mandate of the church, which is to make disciples, and she's going to kick it off. But she's going to remain in the background encouraging us because there's cards that you have been given when you uh, leave today. She'll explain what to do, but drop off your part in the little basket. And I know that God's going to do something very special through our lives as we labor together to make disciples. So, Amy, thank you for doing this. Awesome. Thank you, Pastor Paul. Thank you. Well, it is really good to be here. And you know, the second service, I, many of you, I don't know because I go to the first service um, when we first had our first little guy, Cooper, four years ago, we were going to the evening service and then, you know, COVID hit, all of that stuff. And even within my first year of mom life and Matt leave, all of a sudden our second one came. So needless to say, I did not come back to staff. I have been busy at home with my two little boys. I helped my husband um, run a concrete business. So it's very, it's a very different environment than being here, but it is really good to be back. And I hope to meet some of you that I have never met, maybe after the service, that would be amazing. And for the rest of you, it's so good to see you. And I just got to say, for old time's sake, I am pumped to be here. Anybody else? <laughs> awesome. Well, why don't we just pray one more time before we get going? Jesus, we just welcome you here. Lord, you are so good. You are so, so good. I thank you that you are the creator of all, and yet you see us. You know us, you love us, and you have a purpose for us. 
So today I pray that any guilt, any weight that would weigh us down and keep us from getting involved, that you would strip that off, Jesus, and that there would be freedom and that excitement would come because of what you have in store for us. So Lord, speak to us. May we have open ears and open hearts to hear what you want to hear today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, yeah, as Pastor Paul said a few months ago, he uh, caught me in the office. I was like going to come in really quick. And he's like, hey, I got something for you. You know, an hour later after chatting, it's like, okay, this is interesting. And he said, I want you to take this idea of evangelism and discipleship and kind of spearhead a little campaign or something this fall. And initially when he was talking about evangelism and discipleship, I was like, oh, I don't, I don't want to just pair people up. I've done that in the past. It's a great ministry, but that's not where I'm at right now in my life and what the Lord's been leading. But as we started talking more and more, I realized, man, God is doing some really cool stuff because we are in sync and on the same wavelength as to where we maybe need to go and what God wants to do in our lives and in our community. And so um, I just want to start with this question, though. What comes to mind when you hear the word evangelism? You know, some of you might think sharing the gospel, sharing the good news, which is literally what it means, evangelism. Others of you, though, you might think of a street evangelist, somebody on the corner with their little soapbox and preaching, and you're like, evangelism's weird. That might come to mind. Some of you, you might get, think about missions trips, where the main point is to go out and share the gospel. Other people, maybe you think of the gift of evangelism. You think of Billy Graham, who, who is one of the greatest evangelists of our time. Or maybe some of you, you think evangelism is for the super spiritual or the mature believer who knows what to say, and I'm just not there yet. <laughs> I'm still too new. Maybe that's what comes to mind. Not only do thoughts come to mind, but I also want to ask, what emotions does evangelism evoke? Maybe you get excited because you are one of those who has the gift of evangelism. Incredible. But maybe others of you, you feel a little bit guilty because you know that that's supposed to be a mark of a disciple, of a follower of Jesus, and you're not doing it. Maybe some of you, you feel nervous because you're like, I, I just don't know what to say. I, I just don't take those opportunities. Maybe other people, you just feel frustrated. <laughs> Because again, you've tried, and it just seems like people aren't interested. You know, there's lots of different emotions and, and thoughts that evangelism can bring up. And if you've been in the church culture for any amount of time, unfortunately, sometimes our thoughts and emotions are actually on the negative side of things when it comes to evangelism. Because we think, I don't have that gift. It's not for me. But today, I've been really praying that the Lord would dislodge some of those negative preconceived ideas that we have about evangelism. And I pray that God would actually replace any guilt that you have, replace it with excitement. Excitement as we pull back this curtain to see a bigger picture and this invitation that God has for us to join the adventure. And so the passage we're looking at today is in 2 Corinthians 5, and I'd love for you to turn there. I only have one verse from the passage um, that will be on the screen. And so I think it's really powerful when you read the scripture and you have it, whether it's on your phone or the Bible in front of you or you bring your own. Um, sometimes I like to go read further ahead or go back and see more of the context. And I encourage you to do that while I'm speaking because I believe God's going to speak to you through his word if that's where you need to go. And so 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and 
this first verse though, I have in the screen, verse 17, and I actually would love it if we could practice saying this together. And so on the deep breath, and then on the count of three, one, two, three, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. This is really good news. This is great news for anybody who is new to Jesus, any new believers, this is amazing news because it's saying I am no longer defined by my past or my sins, but I am defined by Jesus. I am a new creation. Those things no longer hold me down. This is a beautiful foundational verse. And I remember memorizing this when I was just a kid at camp because it is so so foundational and such good news that we are new creations in Christ. You know, it's a necessary verse, not just for new Christians though, but for long-term Christians. And it's funny, I, even though I memorized this verse and I knew this verse as a foundational verse, I never actually looked into the context or as to why Paul even wrote this. And so I picked this passage and then I'm like, oh, I should probably know what the context is of this verse being written, right? And it actually kind of shocked me because the, these verses beforehand used to confuse me. And so Paul, the apostle, apostle was writing to the church in Corinth, to, to believers like you and I, right? And he wrote at least two letters to the church in Corinth. Some people think maybe even three or four letters were written and those other two just haven't been found or weren't codified in the Bible, all of that stuff. But we have the first and the second letter here with us. And so he writes to this church and from the outside, the church looked like it was happening. It was a popping church. There was lots going on. There was gifts of the spirit. There was people prophesying and gifts of tongues and healing and all of this stuff. But as you read through 1 Corinthians, you see there was also a lot of junk. And he writes to actually rebuke them on, you know, excessive indulgence, selfishness, pride, sexual immorality, incest even. Like, there's a lot of messed up stuff going on in the church, even though from the outside it looked really good, really spiritual. And another reason why Paul writes, and it comes out in both letters, is to rebuke these super apostles and to actually commend himself to say, hey, I still have spiritual authority in your life. I'm still an apostle. See, what had happened is that heretics had come into the church in Corinth and they started defaming Paul's name, saying he wasn't an apostle because he wasn't acting in the gifts like they expected him to. And that's why in 1 Corinthians, you read in chapters 12, 13, and 14, that Paul addresses the use of spiritual gifts. And he says, it's not about you. Spiritual gifts are not about you. They're not about looking really good or being a good Christian. They're about glorifying God and for the benefit of other people. It's not about you. You know, there was another cultural dynamic going on in Corinth because Corinth was a huge metropolis, big booming city. It was on the Isthmus. I always feel like I'm saying that wrong, but this small piece of land that goes from the mainland down to the bigger island of Greece, or the other island. And so if you wanted to go from Athens down there, you'd have to go through Corinth. There was tons of trade going on. It was a very wealthy city. And even more, there were two ports on either side. So ships would come in from one side, they'd dock, and smaller ships, they'd actually transport across this small piece of land to the other side so that 
they wouldn't have to go down around this huge land hunk beneath. And uh, bigger ships, they'd unload and they'd carry all the cargo and then load it back up. So it was a big, booming metropolis. And so the thing, though, one of the things about the big city is that they loved entertainment. Philosophy was a big thing, theater, oratory. And in a sense, people, they would judge people based on their charisma, on their beautiful prose, the presentation of their oratory, and they would judge people based on their performance. Now, this idea of judging people based on their performance had also come into the church. And that's where they were judging Paul, saying he's not acting in the gifts like we expect him to. And so Paul, in verse 12, in 2 Corinthians 5, he says, We are not commending ourselves to you any get." to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us, so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. He's saying, hey, I'm not commending myself, but in a roundabout way, he is, because he's saying, it's not about what you see. It's not about being a good Christian. It's not about performance or appearance. It's about what's in the heart. It's not about being a good creation. And he, he continues on and in verse It's not about being a good Christian. Um, He continues on in verse 16 and says, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. What he's saying is that when I was not in Christ, I even judged Jesus because he didn't look like what I expected the Messiah to look like. He didn't meet the standards the performance. He didn't go take out the Romans and and rule and conquer and all of this stuff. It didn't look like what I expected. And Paul's saying, we do not use the same measuring stick of appearance and performance that the world uses. It's a different measuring stick in God's kingdom. It's one of the heart. And it's actually not dependent on us. It's dependent on Jesus who saves us and cleanses us and washes us and makes us a new creation. You know, this is why Paul writes even in 1 Corinthians, he says, it's not about wise and persuasive words. I didn't come to you with those. I came and proclaimed that Christ, uh, and only proclaimed Christ and him crucified. He wasn't a great orator. He didn't have wise and persuasive words. But he said, I came to you in weakness, so that your faith might not rest in, God, in man's wisdom, but in God's power, a demonstration of the spirit and power of God. So Paul says, you are a new creation. That old way of judging by performance and appearance no longer stands in the church. So often, the same judgmental attitude creeps into church, even today. We judge other people and we think, oh, they're not very spiritual. Look, they're late, you know? Or, oh man, why aren't they serving in that area, you know? Or potentially we're judging ourselves. We're disqualifying ourselves from being used of God because, well, I'm not like that person. I don't have that gift. I'm, I'm not a missionary, you know? But this is the first thing that I really want to encourage you guys in today is to step into your identity as a new creation. 
You are a new creation. Let the freedom of Christ release you from this idea and this pressure and weight of performance and comparison. Performance that leads to guilt when you miss an opportunity or comparison that you're not like Pastor Paul or another missionary. You know what? God already has a Pastor Paul on earth. He already has an Amy. And trust me, my husband would say, we do not need two more or another one. What we need is we need you. We need you. God's saying you are called. I have something for you. And this is where I want to go next is how God invites you to join the adventure, not to be somebody else, but to be you and to step into the adventure. So let's keep reading in verse 18. It says, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Okay, there's a lot there. And you know, I was reading this earlier this year, and I was like, whoa, I got to slow this down, because there, like, there's a lot. And just a little side note, Pastor Paul talks a lot about encouraging us to get into the Bible daily, and developing a daily Bible reading routine, right? And so sometimes, though, it feels overwhelming. It's like, where do I even start, right? And so here's one tidbit when you're reading the Bible to pay attention to, is when there is repetition, ask why, why is this word repeated multiple times in a couple verses? Did you notice what was repeated here? Did you notice what word? Reconciliation. In fact, in three verses, it's mentioned four times. He's saying, pay attention to this. Reconciliation. What is reconciliation? Literally, it's to change or exchange. To return to favor with or to receive one into favor. It's amending of broken relationships. And in, new, in the New Testament, and also life testifies to the fact that it's usually the one who offended somebody else that initiates reconciliation. They ask for forgiveness. They ask that there can be amending. They exchange, they humble themselves, asking that there can be amending of this relationship. But it's interesting. Did you see who initiates in this passage? It's God. God is the offended party. We are the ones who sinned against him, and yet he is the one who initiates reconciliation. And, and it's beautiful because this is why Jesus came. He was God in the flesh, Emmanuel, and he came and he lived and he walked as you and I did, yet he did not sin. And the whole reason he lived was to die. And the reason he came to die was because the penalty, the wages, the consequences of our sin was death. See, God is the creator of all. He is the source of life and he is holy. And holiness cannot be in relationship with sin. And since all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, there is a separation. And when you're separated from life, the source of life, there is death. That is the outcome. But God, in his great mercy and love, said, I do not want to leave my kids in their sin and separated from me for eternity. I'm going to do something about it. And just a side note as well, when you're reading the Bible and you, maybe sometimes it feels like it's going over your head, just ask three questions. Ask, what does this say about who God is? What does this say about who I am? 
And what does it require of me? Or what is it telling me to do? And so in verse 17, we, hear, we read about who we are. We are a new creation in Christ. And here we find out who God is. And I love it. I love it because it shows us that God is loving and he's just. He is the one who initiates reconciliation. See, justice had to be served. There had to be payment for sin. It couldn't just be swept under the rug. There had to be death, but we couldn't pay it. And that's where Jesus also shows us love because he says, I'm gonna pay that for you. What seems opposite and opposing love and justice meshes beautifully at the cross of Christ where he says, there has to be justice, but I will pay it because I love you. And when we receive Jesus, when we ask him to forgive us and we, we ask him to come and live within us and cleanse us, God looks at us and he does not see our sin, but he sees the righteousness of Christ. He sees that you are blameless. Again, it's not about trying to be good. It's about knowing that in Christ, you are good. You're good. If you are in Christ, all of those things in the past are dead. You are a new creation. You are good. You know, sometimes though in Christian culture, we focus on the, the prayer of repentance, the moment of conversion over the adventure of discipleship. Being a Christian isn't just about praying a prayer and then sitting in a room trying not to get dirty so that we can go to heaven. As I said in the first service, that's a pathetic existence of a Christian life. There's so much more. And it is exciting. Praying the prayer is just the beginning of the adventure that he wants to invite you and I into. And so if we continue on in verse 18, it says, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and then gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against us or against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Here's the thing. You are not a nobody. You are, you are called you are a new creation in Christ. You are a person of great importance sent here on mission. You are an ambassador sent by God to bring his message of reconciliation to a lost and hurting and dark world. You have a calling. But where do we start? <laughs> we can still get that feeling of like, I still don't know what to say, Amy. <laughs> where do I go from here? How do I even evangelize or share that ministry of reconciliation? I get it, I'm called, but now what? And first, I just want to acknowledge the fact <laughs> that many of us just don't care. And I'm not saying that to guilt trip you. I'm saying it out of what God has convicted me of. He's convicted me through my time in prayer is that sometimes I'm just distracted. <laughs> 
I'm distracted with, you know, making suppers for when my husband gets home from work, taking care of my boys. And, you know, there's, there's things around the house. I got to mow the, mow the lawn and I got to do this project at the house. And then, you know, there's uh, friends and there's church activities and there's dreams and there's vacations and there's this and that and everything else. And I get distracted. And the other thing is, is that sometimes the reality of death just, it feels fake. It hasn't hit me. And so I don't live with that. And maybe it's because it's just heavy and I don't want to live with the reality of death. But maybe we should. So how do we gain this eternal perspective where we actually care about the lost? Where every day we're realizing and we start looking at places and people and we realize, do they know Jesus? And it breaks our hearts. How do we get back there? And I wish I had some profound, exciting technique for you to do, but I don't. <laughs> it's very simple. It's very basic. In fact, I think we sometimes confuse things and make things complicated when it's really just basic and simple. And the way that God has broken my heart, again, for the lost, is literally through spiritual disciplines. It's through reading his word daily. It's through memorization. You know, I read this passage back in... March, I think it was, and I've read it hundreds of times potentially throughout my life, but it hit again. And I was like, I need to spend time here. I need to memorize this. I need to let it really get into me. And so as I was doing dishes, I had the verse up there, the passage, and I just start memorizing. And the craziest thing started happening as I let God's word get into my heart is that I started to realize who God is, who I am in Christ, and what I'm called to do, to take a message of reconciliation, and God started to break my heart for the lost. It's not profound, it's very simple. It's spiritual disciplines. Get into God's word. Let him speak to you. Where do you start with evangelism? Start with God. Get to know him and what he's done for you. And he'll start to open your eyes. The other thing that spiritual disciplines and actually memorization led me into as I was memorizing this, I realized as I'm doing dishes that it led me into prayer and just praying for the lost. And it started to become so, such a burden to pray for people who do not know Jesus. And here's the beautiful and awesome thing about prayer is that it's not reliant on you. You don't make things happen through prayer. It's not some magical incantation thing. No. Prayer is powerful, not because you are a powerful prayer warrior, not because you're super spiritual, but because of the one that we're praying to. You know, Pastor Mark, he spoke on faith this summer, and it's been, I've just been mulling on that. Why can I have assurance of faith? Not wishful thinking like the world has, but why can I have such a firm foundation? And it's because of the one that I have my faith in. Jesus is faithful. He is all-powerful. Even when I'm faithless, God is faithful. It's not because of me. I don't have to be a super spiritual Christian or an, a super apostle or a great missionary. I just have to know the one that I'm praying to and believe that he can. This is where evangelism starts. You know, I've been convicted in my prayer time that sometimes I'm like starting to pray about a person who doesn't know Christ and I'm just like, they seem too lost. 
They seem too far gone. They don't seem interested. There is nothing. They don't want to hear it when I talk to them. And I, I lose faith. And God has convicted me. And he said, Amy, do you believe that I am who I say I am? That I can save the utmost sinner? Is my arm too short? And I've had to say, God, I'm sorry. You are able. You are faithful. You are powerful. Even to reach the very worst sinner. And I've started to pray bold prayers, not because I'm a powerful prayer, but because my God is powerful and he is able. And so I've started to pray boldly for, for niche groups in our community that seem so dark and lost and confused. And I've started to pray, God, I'm not rubbing shoulders with this person or that person, but I'm praying revival. Holy Spirit, come and show them that you are what they are looking for. And I've started praying boldly. I, I didn't li live through the Jesus movement, but I'm like, God, do it again. And do it in these pockets because you are able, not because I'm a powerful prayer warrior, but because my God is powerful. <sighs> Ooh, sorry, I get a little bit excited. <laughs> I hope you guys are getting it, you know? <laughs> you know, the beauty of starting evangelism in prayer is that it reminds us of the fact that God is the one who saves. It's not me. It's not you. But in saying that, it does not negate prayer for the lost, does not negate our part in sharing the gospel, in actually opening our mouths. You know, since becoming a mom, well, Becoming a mom has just been difficult, I'll just say that. And not just for sleepless nights and changing diapers and all of that stuff, but I went from working here for 10 years, loving my job, feeling very called and, yeah, just loving it and working with hundreds of people on a weekly basis, right? And seeing them at youth and young adults and, and staff and all of this stuff on Sundays, and I loved it. And then I go home to take care of an infant who can't even talk to me, but he just screams at me, you know? <laughs> And then to going from one to two, you know, within a year. And so I, it was hard for me and it left me floundering actually, wondering what is my calling? What is my purpose? And we all know that raising kids is an incredible calling to raise these young ones to love Jesus. But sometimes it's hard to keep at the forefront of our, of our mind because it's mundane and boring sometimes, you know? But it really left me floundering to the point where my husband's like, are you going through a midlife crisis? Like, what's going on here, Amy? Why are you always looking for something, something that's your thing? What's going on? And I didn't respond totally great. <laughs> but as I started praying about it, God really spoke to me. And it's easy to look at pastoring or missionaries or, or leading worship or anything up, up front as like, wow, this amazing thing. And to go from that to all of a sudden just being home, <laughs> I was like, what's my calling? And God said, Amy, it's not something profound or great like you think it is, but it's literally right before you. It's to serve your husband in a culture where relationships are falling apart left, right, and center. It's to serve my kids selflessly in a selfish generation, which hopefully is a light to a selfish generation. It's to rub shoulders with my neighbors whom I see all the time. It's literally right before me. See, the beautiful thing about prayer 
is that when you start praying for the lost, you realize that you do not have to be anybody else. God calls you. He wants you to be you and to bring the light to the places that you're in. So whether that's at your work or maybe it's at the grocery store, or maybe it's with the mom's group, or maybe it's with your classmates in the new school year, or maybe it's with your sports team, or I don't know, maybe you're in band. I don't know where you are, but God does. And he wants to use you in those places to bring light. He wants you. You don't have to be somewhere else. Do something else. You know, even Jesus, Jesus never scheduled evangelism, but rather he was grounded in prayer. He knew who he was and it made him available. It made him aware. And as he was going, he would see people. It says that he was constantly moved with compassion and he would see the need and he would meet the need. It's not like he, he had this great crusade, evangelistic crusade that he's going out today and he's gonna preach. No, he was just going. And that's actually what the Great Commission is. We sometimes think that the main commandment in the Great Commission is go, but actually the main command in the Greek is make disciples. It's this idea that as you are going, make disciples. So whatever your sphere of influence, bring the gospel, bring the message and ministry of reconciliation to the people in your sphere of influence. I am not a plumber. I'm not an electrician. I'm not a teacher. I can't go into those places, but my neighbors, oh, they're getting it. (laughs) That's who I spend my time with these days. And I love it. That's who I'm praying for and so many other people, but man, as you start to pray, God starts to break your heart for the lost and he starts to show you opportunities. And then you start to get excited because you realize, wow, God's doing something. He's doing something behind the scenes that shouldn't have been done. And I have stories that I don't have time to share with you today. But man, I can say this, as I've started partnering with God through prayer, I have gotten excited about this Christian life. If you're lethargic in your Christian life, start praying and see what God does in your heart because you're gonna see how God is orchestrating things and moving behind the scenes to to break up the the hard soil in people's hearts, people are gonna start asking. It's exciting. One thing is that has become so evident for me as I've been praying is that Jesus is the only hope. He is the only hope for people. He is the only one who gives purpose to a lonely widow. He is the only one who gives hope to those living in the shadow of suicide or a a loss of a loved one. He is the only one who can break the chains of addiction that binds so tightly. He is the only one who can reach the hard heart, those who seem so lost and so confused. He is the only hope. Those are the prayers I'm praying for people that I know. What are the prayers that you are called to pray for? the people in your life. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a kid. Maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a sibling or maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's a coworker. I don't know, but God does. And he's placed you there. And he's called you to bring the message and ministry of reconciliation. Today, I didn't get to the how-to of sharing your gospel, sharing the gospel or sharing your story. I didn't get to the how-to, 
But you know what? Next week, Pastor Paul's going to preach more on evangelism. And throughout this fall, Pastor Paul's going to hit on this theme. And there's going to be a class that you guys can take to learn how do you share the good news? How do you lead somebody to Christ? There are so many opportunities. You know, there's Alpha coming up, an incredible opportunity to invite somebody to just come explore who Jesus is. Because what if it's all real? And plus, there's a free meal. If you're a mom, you don't have to cook. <laughs> Actually, no, you have to cook for your family and then come. So um, <laughs> I get how that goes. But today, today is just the start. Today is just an invitation to join this adventure that God has called you to. He's commissioned you for. And it's just very simple to start praying for three people every single day until Christmas. And that's why we handed these out when you guys came in. And if you didn't get one, ushers have them at the back. But here's what I want us to do. Here's what Pastor Paul and I came up with. Actually, it was Pastor Paul's idea the whole time. Um, but to start praying for three people every single day. And what you'll find is that God starts to change your heart, but he also starts to open up opportunities to share with those people. And that... At the end, when you guys leave, you can tear off the bottom your name and your email address and leave it with the ushers. And what we want is, um, I'll be in communication with you through email or other ways, I don't know, <laughs> but we're gonna figure it out. But I wanna keep this before you. I wanna encourage you. I wanna give you tidbits, um, little encouragements and prayers. I wanna pray with you. Maybe you have questions. Maybe, maybe you're not sure how to do this or maybe somebody had a question. I wanna continue to walk with you. And the cool thing is, um, I love hiking. I haven't done it for years since having kids, you know. Um, but the West Coast Trail would not be very fun by yourself, but with a group, man, it's a lot of fun. Same with the Christian walk. When we start journeying together and joining the adventure together, man, it gets really fun. So I want to invite you guys to join the adventure with me to start praying. And I, believe, I am believing for big things because my God is a big God. So in closing, as you fill this out, take the pens in front of you, start filling it out. Um, in closing, I want to read this excerpt that my sister-in-law, Hannah, sent to me. Uh, and it's totally encouraged and challenged me. And I think it's the perfect way to end. And so it's about D.L. Moody. Many of you probably know him. He's a great evangelist. And he started preaching the gospel after he got saved at 17, and mostly to teens. And this is what the, oh, yeah, and he started traveling and preaching to groups of like 30,000 people, or up to 30,000 people. He's an incredible man. And here's what the author said. We've grown accustomed these days to witness swells of salvation, the lost being found, the outsider coming in, New children born into the family of Jesus through innovation, a new strategy or technique, a new tool comes along like the Jesus film or the Alpha Course, a weekend revival effort or a church-sponsored short-term mission trip. And that tool spearheads a surge in evangelism. There's usually a novel method somewhere near the center of the explanation of why evangelism is working, for lack of a better term. Moody's life and ministry is a compelling exception to the rule. His entire evangelistic strategy was prayer. That's it. In an oft-told legend, many before me have recounted that Moody famously carried a list of 100 names in his pocket every day of his adult life. 100 friends who had no relationship with Jesus. Moody's labor of love was secret hidden prayer on their behalf. He pleaded with God to reveal himself to each of them in a way they could perceive and receive his eternal love. 
He prayed by name for their salvation. And when he died, 96 of the names on that list had become answered prayer. A 96% rate in prayer is not bad. I'd take those odds any day of the week, but it gets better. At Moody's funeral, the four remaining names were each in attendance. And those four friends were independently so moved by the memorial service that they all came to faith at his funeral. So just for the record, how did a shoe salesman with a fifth grade education become one of the most influential evangelists in recorded history? Through prayer. If you guys wouldn't mind standing with me, and I want to speak this over you that you are a new creation in Christ, that you are called by God, that you are an ambassador. You have been entrusted with the message and ministry of reconciliation. The question is, will you join the adventure? So I wanna invite you today to take that first step of just praying for three people every single day, because I believe God is gonna do something really exciting. Thank you so much and be blessed as you go. Pastor Paul. Amen. Thank you, thank you, Amy. You may be just seated for a moment. Thank you, Amy. So powerful. You know, think about it. Our commission as Christians is to make disciples. And it's so easy in a world filled with so many demands to miss what it's all about. And I am so delighted, you know, Amy is going to continue to communicate. Here's what's going to happen. As you're filling out these names and praying for them, you know, share with us. Hey, you know what? Get back to Amy, because we're going to start communicating to each other. Hey, listen, I was praying for so-and-so, and I got a chance to share the gospel with them. That's going to encourage other people. You know, Tom shared with me the other day. He had been sharing over the course of 10 years with uh, a person. He's, he's worked as a custom combiner. And that person came to faith in Jesus Christ. How powerful is that? Stories like that need to get out to each other. We're going to communicate that back and forth. Now, we're going to do this. I believe this is going to continue. But we want to start with a short commitment because I think that's the best. If we told you, you know, hey, we're going to do this forever, you wouldn't sign up. But if we can just do it for three months, praying for three people, and watch what God does, even in that short amount of time, but I think we need to have some level of accountability because I know what, what it's like. You hear a sermon, you're totally inspired today to go out and do it, and three weeks later, it's by the wayside. We have forgotten. We've moved on. There's other things that have came into our lives. This is a way to keep it before us, to keep it alive. Does that make sense to us? So how many here say, you know, Pastor, I want to join this moment of time. I want to I want to make a commitment before God. Yes, I'm going to do this for three months. Every day, pray for three people and ask God to use me in this way. God wants to use you. We heard that. We're all ambassadors of Christ if we're a follower of Jesus. And maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus, but you want to. Do you know how simple it is? It's simply a prayer way. I want to know you, Jesus. Please come into my life. He will answer that prayer, and He will create something profound in your life. You will become a new creation. Change within even your heart. He will change even your desires. 
So the things that you once didn't have any interest in, now you will long for. And the things that you once were captured by, you'll say, they don't attract me anymore. I've lost an, a, a, an attraction for these things. I really have. So let's, we're going to close right now. And I just want you to know, please prayerfully consider doing this. Because I think if a whole church starts to do this, can you imagine the impact it'll have on the community? It's going to impact the city, folks, and the surrounding region. So let's stand as we close again. I'll let you look, leave. Boy, Amy does a great job of getting done on time. I have to learn from you, Amy. <clears throat> Beautiful. Thank you so much. I, I'm really happy that Amy's going to spearhead this, and it doesn't take away from her family. She can do this from her home. Isn't that great? Father, I thank you for my brothers and sisters in Christ. I thank you for, above all for your love for us. We heard it today. You love us and you've redeemed us and you've reconciled us and you've commissioned us. Everyone in this room that knows you, we have been commissioned by you. We are your representatives. That's what an ambassador is. We're going on your behalf and speaking on your behalf. What a great, great thing. The most important person in the universe has commissioned us to speak on his behalf. And that's what you've done. And now I pray, Father, that all the things that Amy mentioned, all the negative things, the fear, the concerns, the rest, as we pray to you, Father, you're going to prepare hearts. And you're going to prepare, above all, our heart. And it's going to make a big difference. We know that. So we ask as we leave today not to forget what we heard today, but you will keep reminding us day by day of what we're committing ourselves to do in Jesus' name. Amen. So on the way out, take your little tear-off part for your uh, information so Amy can make sure she can touch base with you to encourage you. Okay? God bless you as you leave.